Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With their smash cut editing, pounding soundtracks, and garish visuals, most modern films are sleek enough for even the sillier moments of their scripts to slip past unnoticed. But that's not what we are about here at What Culture. We like to analyze things over and over to excruciating detail. So of course we've noticed a few absolute stinkers that have slipped in from time to time. So let's take a look at some of the weirder moments, shall we? As I'm Jules, this is WhatCulture.com, and these are 10 movies with unexpectedly ridiculous plots. Number 10. Pet Cemetery. 2. Pet Cemetery had Herman Munster and Bing Crosby's granddaughter being menaced by a zombie baby. So, in an effort to top that, Pet Cemetery 2 gave us Edward Furlong and Anthony Edwards being menaced by a zombie dog and a drill-wielding zombie sheriff. You see, there's an Indian burial ground near Furlong's new home, and when his best friend's dog is killed by the local sheriff, they remember all of those stories about people burying their loved ones and their loved ones returning to life. They kind of skip the part about the dead returning to life with glowing eyes and homicidal tendencies, though, so when the dog comes back, it tears the sheriff's throat out. Reasoning the only way out of a hole is to apparently dig deeper, Furlong then buries the sheriff, who is reanimated as a scumbag that forces himself on his wife, pushes a kid's face into a rotating bike wheel, and most heinously, shows Furlong a mouthful of mashed potatoes at the dinner table. Strangely, there was never a Pet Cemetery 3. Number 9. Shark Knight 3D As the director of Snakes on a Plane, the late David R. Ellis was no stranger to ludicrous plots, but with Shark Night 3D, his final film, he really pushed the boat out. Inspired by a program they saw on the Discovery Channel, a pair of gap-toothed rednecks attach cameras to sharks in the Louisiana bio and dream about becoming rich and famous when they sell footage of the attacks to snuff film enthusiasts. Now, just so we're clear, though, these sharks are not your typical great whites. They grab a victim of a moving jet ski and fly more gracefully than free bloody willy. It's such a killer scheme that the local sheriff gets in on it and supplies them with teenage victims who have visiting the area on spring break. Led by Sarah Paxton, these teens are the usual horror movie cliches. I mean, there's a nerd and a stoner, you get the drill. And you can probably imagine the kind of situations they find themselves in. But the best bit of all is when the sheriff ties the kids up and says, you know what'd be funny? Hearing Morgan Freeman do a voiceover of you getting your head torn off. What a weird film. Number 8. Hellraiser Bloodline The movie that kickstarted the trend for sending horror villains into space, Hellraiser Bloodline incurred the wrath of Dimension Films, who were aghast to 
mastered an over-elaborate narrative that took place in the 18th century, as well as modern-day New York and then on a 22nd century spaceship. Thinking that they were getting a more traditional sequel, the company restructured the film to tell the story in flashbacks from aboard the space vessel in 2127, with added voiceovers struggling to make sense of the choppy assembly of scenes. As the character pursues a puzzle box that can open the gates of hell, their motivations are kind of glossed over, with some of them disappearing from the narrative altogether. It is a moron movie through and through, because Bloodline is a demographic-chasing product full of idiot victims, lame zingers, pointless screaming, and... No, that that's it. That's it in its entirety. Number 7. Ultraviolet When an American weapons lab discovered a virus known as HGV, they tried to modify it to create super soldiers, but it got loose and started a pandemic, so now the sufferers are being rounded up by the Arch Ministry, a shadowy organization headed by the sinister Daxos. After developing super strength and vampire-like canines, the infected have a 12-year lifespan, but Violet has discovered a cure, which is in the blood of Daxus's son, who sleeps in a miniaturized hibernation tank that's no bigger than a laptop. No, wait, that's all a ruse because the antigens of his blood could wipe out all of the infected, or maybe he's useless and radioactive, or is it that he's been given an antagonist protein by his father that makes him a threat to the remaining human population? There's something like that. There's a lot of plot threads going on for such a weird film. Anyway, Violet confronts Daxos in his lair, where he reveals that he's also infected, and he was the one who started the pandemic because... No reason. Number six, The Village. What makes The Village so bad? Well, maybe it's the po-faced sincerity with which it treats its twist, which actually turns out to be the same device Mel Brooks used in Blazing Saddles, only here played straight. In order to maintain the illusion that they're living in the 19th century, William Hurt, Sigourney Weaver, and Brendan Gleeson dress up as monsters in order to keep the children from venturing into the towns, i.e. the normal world. But when someone needs to journey outside to fetch medical supplies, they decide to send Bryce Dallas Howard's Who Can't See, which, when you think about it, is both incredibly dumb and incredibly cruel. Anyway, Howard arrives in the normal world, and one of the first people she meets is director M. Night Shyamalan, whose expressions are absolutely priceless as he listens to her story. After being nominated for numerous awards, including two Oscars, Shyamalan became the Razzie's favorite after The Village, and it is not difficult to see why. Number five, Barb Wire. Now, there was a time in comic books where heroines were typically depicted as melon-breasted leather clad bad girls, and Barbara Kaminsky, aka Barb Wire, is no exception to this. To the gratitude of bad movie lovers everywhere, she's played by Pamela Anderson, whose 90s celebrity just carried her through this film, and it is, ooh, a bad film. A nightclub owner who moonlights as a bounty hunter in a slow month, we're introduced to Barb during an opening title sequence where, accompanied by a version of Word Up, she's being hosed down in slow motion while making come-hither eyes at the camera. So far, so tacky. But when the story begins, we realise that it's actually just a rip-off of Casablanca, which means that, gasp, Pammy is kind of our Humphrey Bogart. While trying to arrange safe passage for an old flame, Pammy snarls a great deal, grunts her lines, and wears a cat suit that threatens to come undone at any moment, all of which makes for a great comedy, but nobody behind the camera seems to have any idea that they were making a funny movie. They were told this was an action flick. Number four, I know who killed me. When Aubrey, played by Lindsay Lohan, disappears, her parents and the police assume that she's been abducted by the killer of one of her classmates. But when Dakota, also played by Lohan, is found by a motorist, everyone believes that she's the missing girl. Are they mistaken, or are they in fact the same person? 
As it turns out, they're long-lost sisters. One a piano prodigy with literary aspirations, the other a dancer who works in a nightclub. They're also twins, and according to this movie's rules, whatever wounds are inflicted on one twin are experienced by the other. So if one girl is being carved up by a sicko, her sister must of course exhibit similar wounds. This makes for the movie's funniest moment, and it should not be funny, where Dakota starts exhibiting these wounds in the shower, something she inexplicably fails to share with anyone. You know, this is the thing, when a hand and a foot just kind of drop off, something's seriously wrong. And, you know, most of us would probably report that, but no, not here, apparently. Number three, Alone in the Dark. The Abkhani, a race believed to have developed the ability to move between worlds, inexplicably vanished from the Earth 10,000 years ago. Then, in 1969, one Professor Hudgens attempts to breed Abkhani creatures with 20 orphans before being shut down by Bureau 713, which is a governmental paranormal investigation division. That's according to Alone in the Dark's opening text crawl, and if you found that difficult to follow, you ain't seen nothing yet. Fast forward to the present and one of these orphans, Edward Carnby, played by Christian Slater, is a former employee of the Bureau and is attacked by a seemingly unkillable assailant after coming into possession of an Abkhani artifact. The thug is, of course, under the orders from Professor Hudgens, who is preparing to unleash Xenos, Abkhani creatures that can only exist in darkness. Goal of that? Well, it doesn't matter anyway, because remember, this is an Uwe Boll film, and uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense at the best of times, so uh, enjoy. Number two, Terminator Giant Ice Ice. While witnessing an attack on John Connor in 2009, Carl Reese is transported to an alternate 1984 where Sarah Connor was raised by a T-800 she calls Pops and a T-1000 disguised as a cop is waiting there for him. Got all of that? Well, Reese now realizes that he has memories of a life he never had, where his younger self keeps repeating, Genisice is Skynet. This can only mean one thing. Kyle and Sarah must time travel to 2017, the year that Genisice, and I am always going to call it that because of the stupid spelling, which is an operating system that links all of your household gadgets, goes online. Slapped together to exploit the masses before the rights reverted back to James Cameron, this soulless, crassly commercial garbage is in such a hurry to milk the brand name that it allows nothing, not even the exposition, the camp attitude, or the characters who keep explaining their motivations to each other to stand in its way. Worse still, the film tries to be funny, but its sole unintentional laugh comes at the very end when Arnold Schwarzenegger, who has just been atomized in a huge explosion, reappears without a mark on him. I thought you were dead, Sarah Connor says. No, Arnie tells her, just upgraded. What? And number one, Noah. From the studio that brought you Transformers comes Noah, Darren Aronofsky's attempt to do for the Old Testament what Michael Bay did for Hasbro. According to Aronofsky, Noah, played here by Russell Crowe, was assisted in building an ark by the Watchers, huge stone creatures that, just like Autobots, have sworn to defend mankind. Supposedly fallen angels who were cast out from heaven for disobeying the creator, they come to Noah's aid when his pet project catches the eye of villainous Ray Winston. He plays one of these snarling bad guys you can tell is just gonna be trouble just by looking at him. And it turns out that old Ray here is a descendant of Cain and is unimpressed by Noah's talk of a deluge that will erase the wicked from this world. So an epic battle begins. The wicked must outnumber the innocent by a thousand to one because when Winston reappears, he's backed by an army that stretches as far as the eye can see. As Noah prepares to cast off, the watchers lay waste to the bad guys in a sequence that made biblical scholars a touch angry. The movie is demonic, claimed one Christian viewer. It's from the devil, full of lies and sorcery and an abomination to the real story. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.